What if? What if the struggle isn't real? What if everything you've been told is impossible is actually deliciously feasible? What if you could work anywhere, travel, find your purpose, all while growing your wealth and not spending it? Welcome to the Struggle Isn't Real podcast. I'm Cody Sanchez-Baker, and and my job here is to share how normal people have self-designed their lives, relationships, jobs, and bodies. The question to ask yourself is simply this. What if it was easy? Hello there, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Struggle Isn't Real podcast. I'm Cody Sanchez-Baker, and my deal here, my gig, is to break down interesting human stories and share how people just like you and I have been able to do some incredible things. The goal is that you're able to take away ideas to implement in your life right now, whether that involves business ideas, lifestyle ideas, or... As you know, I know I love nothing more than a super actionable breakdown from an expert in their space. And, uh, you know, I like telling the future. And Tom Jameson, who's the co-founder of SlideBot, does just that. Both of those things on this podcast. Pretty incredible. So Tom Jameson's got a lovely little Aussie accent. He uh, and his brother actually created, think about it like AI, automated intelligence for PowerPoints. So if you're looking to perfect your pitch, want to nail your next presentation, or have your eye on a TED Talk, this bad boy is for you. Tom and Ned have analyzed, think, tens of thousands of presentations over their uh, both lifetime pre their startup and post. And since I'm told most people fear uh, number one, public speaking, and number two, death, more than anything else, this is going to be a good fear-conquering one for you. And by the way, if you just want to hear his prediction that blew my mind, uh, fast forward to the end. So interesting on the future of presentations and how we will communicate using technology. So my dears... I hope you love this episode with Tom Jameson of Slybot as much as I did. Enjoy. My friends, welcome to another episode of the Struggle Isn't Real podcast. I'm Cody Sanchez-Baker, and I just love when I get the opportunity to have somebody on the show that I find uniquely interesting. I always look for humans who are on their strive and climb, but that also can help me do something in my day-to-day that I am actually trying to get better at, which is the case today. Because I have with me here the CFO and co-founder of SlideBot, Tom Jameson. And Tom is a man who wears many hats. He's a podcaster. He runs a startup. They've got a blog situation going. He's kind of crazy like me. I work with a lot of my family members and so does Tom. He actually started this this company with his brother, Ned. And the interesting part about this podcast today is we're going to talk about the art of storytelling. And we're going to talk about it in a way that I haven't before, which is we're going to talk about the power of visualization through PowerPoint, through presentations, and through their company that I'm fascinated by called SlideBot. And so basically what we're going to talk about is how to uh, create beautiful imagery, how to create beautiful stories through words and presentations. Um, And this little tricky tool they have has been used for 
TED Talks, South by Southwest, World Business Forum, among others. So I'm excited to dig into it, use it, and hear more about the art of the storytelling. So thank you so much for being here with me today, Tom. Thanks for having me. Obviously. Okay. And, and of course, if you guys hadn't noticed, Tom has a beautiful Australian accent, which you know us American girls love. So that's an extra bonus for all of you out there listening. So, so tell me, Tom, I don't even know this. You know, it's, it's 11 a.m. over there in Australia, it's 6 p.m. here in Dallas. And what I don't know about you is like, what's your backstory? What's, what got you fired up about presentations and PowerPoints and even thinking about this space? Yeah, well, we've, uh, both my co-founder and my brother and I have come from very different backgrounds. Um, you know, he came from, I guess, a design background. I came from a business background. Um, and in both of our paths and our journeys led us to sitting through countless presentations where we're just thinking, when is this going to end? You know, please let this end soon. Um, so we started this company um, to sort of address that, address that problem. My, my brother spent about a decade uh, creating presentations at the executive and board level. Um, and so his passion was derived from, from that side of things. I, I was in finance for the good, good part of my working life. Um, and I would sit in daily presentations that would just drive me up the wall. Um, and this, this really, it, it just became quite organically, it became our passion. Um, and we wanted to really help others to learn sort of the rules to make this a better experience for, for them. So that when they impart their message, but also for the audience who has to sit through these daily, I think the stats are, and these might be a little old, but you know, 30 million PowerPoint presentations are created a day. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if 29 million of those just are awful. <laughs> uh, so, so that's sort of that's that's how we've we've come into this space and uh and it's been amazing to see um just how well the market has taken and how well people have sort of opened their eyes to the fact that it can be done a little bit differently and and that everyone irrespective of whether they're a designer or not has the ability to create a presentation that can really engage the audience I, I love it. And especially with the advent of TED and TEDx and TEDx47 all across the world, where y you're finding people telling stories who aren't, let's say, normal presenters who don't, who don't do it every day. So I think it's almost like a... It's, Sorry, Cody. Oh, it's cutting out on us, isn't it? All right, we're, I think we're back now. Oh, we're back. You know what? Guess what helps presentations a lot? When you can actually hear each other. I think that helps too. Um, but but I, I do think in this world, you know, my background is finance too. And if I have to see, you know, another poorly done pie chart or graphical wow. illustration to explain, you know, year end financing, I'm, I'm about ready to end it, right? That's so, it's so true. And it's, it's amazing how quickly, as soon as someone sits in a presentation uh, and they see that first or second slide come up and it's just plastered with text, um, how quickly that frames the experience for, for the audience. And you just, you get disengagement straight away. Um, whereas if you can lead the presentation with something that is, it could be funny, it could be just um, a really beautiful image or a, 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 an image that really captures the idea of what you're gonna be talking about, 
it, it instantly changes the dynamic between the presenter and the audience. I couldn't agree more. And have you found it applicable across all industries and presentation types? Like, can you make a presentation on just about anything interesting, you think? Yeah, I think, um, well, I think what's happened with the introduction of TED has been that people's idea of what a presentation can be and what it should be has shifted. So even in, you know, at a board level or an executive level or, you know, in finance, it would be unheard of to have, um, traditionally, to have image-based slides. Um, it just, it, that would be pushing the boat out a little too far. So now that people are opening up their eyes to the possibility of being able to incorporate um, more engagement or more, more image-based slides, it's, it's, yeah, we've found that we've got, um, we've got just a whole bunch of different industries that are opening up and more every day um, that we're finding out, oh my goodness, this is really applicable to, you know, real estate training, for instance. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been a wonderful experience to, to see this sort of unfold and continues to. Okay, so talk to me about the actual technology because this is fascinating. So from an outsider's layman's perspective, yeah. tell me if I have this correctly, but essentially automation for PowerPoints. So if a typical PowerPoint takes somebody, let's say, 90 minutes, an hour to put together their PowerPoint presentation, in the same way, you upload your content, content or you know i upload my content as a present as a powerpoint presenter and yeah. slidebot makes it engaging <laughs> yeah in a nutshell yes so um the way that it works is as you rightly pointed out uh you would type in or upload the text that you wanted included in your slides um and within a couple of seconds slidebot will have It'll analyze the text and pull out the keywords. Um, and then using those keywords, it will find images that are appropriate for that combination of keywords. Uh, and then it'll look at each of those images and we've codified about 10,000 design rules. So it'll never, for instance, put text over a face. Um, it'll find the sort of blank area within the, within the slide to put the text on. And, um, and it, it does all of this in, in a number of seconds, as opposed to spending, you know, an hour, two hours creating a presentation. And that, actually, that was something that we found um, quite interesting but very early on when we were um, putting SlideBot together, was we ran some polls for people to tell us how long it took them to create presentations. Uh, and one of the things that came out of that was that people drastically underestimate the amount of time that it takes them. Um, people sort of start doing it and then they believe it takes maybe 30 minutes, 35 minutes. Um, but if you actually put a timer behind them as they're doing it, it takes three times as long. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I believe it. And, and the problem is if you don't do it frequently, um, you kind of forget, you know, PowerPoint has an update and so you can't remember where exactly all the tools are or yeah. you know, the imagery if it's actually copyrighted or for myself, you know, just I need to get it done so far in advance so that it goes through compliance, let's say, um, cool. that, you know, I, I have to set aside really good time, really good strategic thinking time for something that's not my core skill set, which is design. Um, yes, that's sort of been when uh, people are using this to increase their sort of capability baseline. So um, people are getting 
these presentations created and then going to work on them themselves after they've been created and making making it their own flavor and really adding their own spice to it and it's been that's fantastic um because i think you know we're so everyone is so reliant on templates to create anyone who doesn't think they've got a design background will, will purchase a template and use that um and the problem with that is if you have ever if you've ever ended up in a situation where you've gone to speak at a conference or you've gone to speak wherever it is and someone else is using the same template as yours. <laughs> That's awful. Like we've heard some awful stories from users who have had that sort of experience um, and they just have gone, they've sworn off templates, um, which is why, you know, Slidebot comes into it because we don't, we're not based on templates. So um, you'll never end up in a situation where you've got the exact same presentation as someone else. <laughs> Interesting. So, so is it essentially like when you're using this, this technology, mm. is it a picture format throughout where you're sort of having like one overlaying piece of text and then imagery behind it, or is it totally customizable? How do you break it down? Yeah. So the, we are heavily um, image based on our slides. So, but what it will do is you can look at, um, you know, whether if there is space on the image for the text to be put um, just on the actual image itself, which means you've got enough white space, say, or blank space, mm -hmm. um, then it will it'll find an appropriate place to do that. If there's too much text there, then it'll add in um, an overlay uh, so that it, it creates more contrast between the wording and the background. Interesting. Well, I will link in the show notes for everybody that wants to see it live. They have a great trailer video that with some, some um, engaging tunes too, Tom, where, um, where it gives some examples of, of presentations and how you can utilize it. Because, you know, I was thinking about presenting as, as I was preparing for this call. And um, I know inherently that we all have the understanding and belief and assumption that a picture is something that sticks with us a little bit longer than just a um, statistic or verbal content. And so, you know, I saw everywhere online from 65% to 75% retention if there's a picture involved as opposed to 10% or 20% without images. So, I mean, to me, PowerPoint is hugely important because yes, you can have the Steve Jobs, just absolute eloquence, Martin Luther King, complete, um, you know, verbal imagery. Um, but it sometimes that's a little difficult to do with year end reporting. And so having some pictures seems to be really important. What sort of research have, have you seen or do you know regarding the importance of using imagery in your presentations? Yeah, well, one of the, one of the I guess, common statistics and one of the things that we, we sort of based this on was um, the fact that the brain processes visuals 60,000 times faster than text. So as soon as you see an image on the slide or as soon as you see a slide, if it's image-based, you've primed the audience already before they've even read the text. So if you can capture uh, even part of your message, um, you know, in an image, then that's something that the audience is already taking away before you've even had a chance to talk about it. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's one of the ones that we sort of draw on quite heavily when we think about what, well, what is the importance of having visuals on, on an, on a uh, slide. And are you seeing some trends in that space too? 
because of TED and because of these creative um, usages for PowerPoints, are you starting to see that users are actually, even if they're in a board meeting or if they're presenting to their bosses about their team or if they're, like you said, at a real estate conference presenting sales tactics, are you starting to see sort of this evolution to creative or what are the trends you're seeing in PowerPoints right now? Uh, yeah, that's a, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that has sort of been a stepping stone into um, more visual-based presentations has been um, people, in, uh, if you're sitting in a meeting where you're talking about end of financial year reporting, awful topic, but <laughs> you can break that up, um, you know, you might have balance sheet as one title slide um, and then you've got, you know, a, a funky image um, backing that up. And it just... It helps to uh, what what we found from from uh, our users has been that inserting even small bits of imagery like that wakes the audience back up, and that's been their experience uh, that they've sort of come back to us with. Interesting. And mm. and what about when you know in in my business, I think a lot of people are fearful of seeming silly when they do something different in a presentation. And, you know, I, I'm at a point where I give so many speeches and presentations a year, I just get bored if I do it the same way. So for nothing else but that, you know, I don't like being bored, I like mixing it up and getting funky with presentations and doing yeah. things like that. But, you know, what I, what I find is that people, if you stay in the box – and you give a presentation with your company template, with your you know nice three bullet points and your same format header, people mm. feel like, okay, I'm not going to get ridiculed. I may not kill yeah. it and be the next JFK, but yeah. you know, I'm going to be in the safe zone. So have you gotten yeah. any pushback from people that are like, oh, Tom, this will never work in my business. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> of course, there's always going to be people who uh, push back on, on, on anything. And I think, you know, anyone who purports to speak for the entire of their industry, you know, is, is something you've got to be, you've got to take with a grain of salt anyway. Um, I think there's always going to be people who, public speaking, you know, there, there's that statistic where it's like, you know, um, they ask people what their greatest fear is and public speaking was one and death was two. You know, like people... <laughs> People are petrified of getting up and being vulnerable in that sense and being exposed as, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to make a mistake and everyone's going to laugh at me. Um, and that when you've got something like that, which is going through people's minds as they're doing a presentation, people will want to keep it safe. You know, people, until they get enough experience under their belt to feel comfortable enough to push the boat out, then that is entirely what they should do. They should keep it safe. Um, there's no real cookie cutter, um, rule that says, oh no, everyone should be having this part of their presentation as image based or this part of their presentation, they need to make a joke. And, um, so when you've got someone who doesn't feel comfortable, they should be absolutely be doing everything they can to make themselves feel comfortable until they get to the point where, yeah, they can, they can start mixing it up a little bit and pushing the boat out. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. What about, you know, one of the things that uh, I've found to be the biggest mistakes when people give presentations and they ask me, okay, I'm going to present here. Will you give me some feedback? How am I going to do it? Especially my team is, well, I think it's 
threefold. They all of a sudden stop conversing with the audience just like they would, like just like you and I are doing right now, right? Yeah, Instead yeah. of us having a conversation through a presentation, it's like, mm-hmm. hello, this is Cody Sanchez reporting yeah. on financial <laughs> earnings. And, and so they kind of lose their own voice. Mm-hmm. And then two, because they've forgotten that it's really just a, a way to have a conversation, um, mm-hmm. they go for a really long time. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there's not much that can't be presented in 20 minutes. That's uh, so yeah. And then three, because they don't feel natural, because they ramble a little bit, they get mm. lost in their presentation. And so yeah. having those cues that you're able to have from a really good PowerPoint can mm. fix like, kind of those three things, no? Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think adding to that, I one of the things that people don't utilize enough that is it's relevant in almost any presentation is handouts um by having handouts that are given at the end of a presentation not at the start because people just spend the time reading it but at the end of the presentation you enable yourself to remove so much of the text from your slides and once you've got that connection to start connecting with your message um so much of the time I think people, people rely on PowerPoints um, to be their crutch uh, so that if they forget where they are or if they you know, forget a point, they know that it's on the slide and the audience can just read it. Um, but presentations are supposed to be about enhancing your message, uh, whereas most of the time it seems that you know, they, they detract from it, they dilute whatever the content is that you're trying to portray. Yeah, that's true. So if you, if you had to... S- you know, give everybody listening sort of your one, one mistake you see most frequently. And I hate to call it a mistake, but let's say the one thing that people could, could better in their presentations. And the one, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the one, and the one, so the one opportunity for growth and the one sort of piece of advice you would give, what would it be? I think, well, by and large, the biggest mistake that people make is just putting too much text on slides. That is, something that is just that plagues PowerPoint presentations. Um, you know, the, the standard heading and three dot, three bullet points, four bullet points, five bullet points ends up being 10 bullet points. Um, and no one, I, I think one of the, there seems to be this unwritten rule that people have with, I need to have all of my bullet points on the one slide. And what that, means though is that you've got all of your information there that people are just they they may as well just read it in the book you know they may as well just read in your handout at the end of the end of the uh, presentation um but it's it feels like there there needs to be uh you know that the people are, are starting to realize that you, you can you can push your bullet points out onto their own slides. Um, so that is one way of, of getting around that. You know, if you've got three bullet points, why not have three slides? And that way, you know, people use transitions to isolate different content um, or animations to isolate the content. So the the bullet point will only show up once they click the the button. If that's the case, just put it on another slide. Um, and that's been something that, that I think, yeah, can, can really change the way that people are doing presentations at the moment. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think you're right. I see that frequently. And what about, you know, you've seen, how many presentations do you think you've seen, Tom, <laughs> since doing this? Uh, 
Um, in the for five, six figures, I reckon. Right. That's amazing. And so what do you, do you have a structure? Like if you're going to give a presentation, not yeah. just the PowerPoint, you know, text to slide ratio, but do you have a structure that you think, gosh, this works really well. Every time I give a presentation, I like to kind of do it yeah. this way. How do you go about thinking structure on your presentation? Yeah. And that's, it's a really good point that you touch on there with structure because that's often overlooked as well when people are putting together presentations. Um, just like if you were writing an essay, you need to know what the structure is before you actually put pen to paper. You need to formulate your arguments and you need to formulate the, so that you, you've got down your, you know, your introduction, you've got your six points and then you've got your conclusion. Um, in the same way, when people are doing presentations, you need to look at initially, well, what is the main idea that I want to portray? If I can distill my idea down into a couple of key points, what, what would they be? And when you've isolated those, then you can start looking at, well, what are the, do I need to actually have a whole bunch of slides backing up this one argument or this one point or this one piece of information? Or can I use, for instance, a statistic to back that up and then make the statistic uh, what people focus on because they're more likely to remember that to back up my point? Um, so I think if you're talking about structure, that's absolutely what people, people need to be understanding before they actually sit down and try and do their presentation. What is it that they're trying to portray um, and how best can you go about that? Because, you know, people are more likely to remember images. People are more likely to remember statistics. People are more likely to remember images that have eyes in them, for instance. So there's, there's certain things that, people can look at doing to help back up their point, but there's no point going down that um, path until you understand exactly what you're trying to portray. Yeah, that makes sense. I think a lot of people get into the incremental improvement of their PowerPoints. Like, oh, I'll just, you know, tweak this here and tweak that there, but they don't look at the foundation like you talked about. So having that underlying structure, just like if you were going to write a, an essay or a book. I always think of a book outline for um, PowerPoint. Can we just repeat that one more time? I you couldn't hear it. Uh, yeah. Sorry, my dear. Um, so I, I think that um, we were talking about how you should structure a presentation. And mm. what I think is so powerful is when you can not think about the incremental uh, improvements you can make in a PowerPoint. So tweaking the header or, you know, tweaking the, the font, but instead yeah. focusing more on the foundation. So what is that like book outline you're almost going to, to see in the beginning of any book? And then yeah. taking that outline and putting, like you talked about it, images in that have eyes in them. What an interesting little statistic. What are you, what about this one? Like when you, when somebody comes to you and they're like, Tom, I want to get better at presentations. What resources should I go to learn? And where do I go to think about how to get better at it before I obviously use SlideBot to put the final thing together? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, the first thing that I would say would be to people, watch, watch some TED Talks. Watch the top five most viewed TED Talks. Um, and that will give you first... Well, for people who haven't thought about doing presentations a different way, that'll give them a really good basis for seeing that presentations can be completed in a whole bunch of ways. Um, I think there are, 
there is, as we sort of touched on before, there's a whole bunch of, um, you know, rules that people think they need to abide by. You know, there are, there are going to be presentations out there that don't require slides, for instance, um, that are better off just having a handout. Uh, there's going to be presentations where it's going to be very heavy on, you know, tables and charts and that sort of thing. And that's totally, you know, that's totally fine if that's the way that it needs to be. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, people just need to really understand what it is that, or where they're going with their presentation. Yeah, I completely agree. And what about, like, do you have a presentation or, um, or a video that you go back to again and again that you think, gosh, this is one of the best presentations I've ever seen? Uh, there's, there's definitely a couple of... Um, couple of fantastic presentations out there. I think one of the, one of probably the most influential presentations that, um, that I've seen is probably uh, Al Gore's In Inconvenient Truth. I think with one presentation, he, he changed millions of people's, um, the way that they were looking at a certain situation. Um, I think if presentations are intended to make change in whatever sense that is, you know, in it, whether that is to educate an audience or whether that is to argue a point or to impart some knowledge. Um, there can't be too many more that have influenced in that same way. And it was a beautifully put together presentation as well, um, visually. And it, it really, you know, it really just nailed all of the key points that, that formulated his argument. It's fantastic. And was this the movie or is this a, like a, something you can find on YouTube? Yeah. So he's done, um, he's done the movie, but he's also done some others on um, like a, a Ted talk on the same topic as well. Okay, um, I'll, I've never seen it. I'll link it in the show notes and be sure to check it out. That's a cool one. There's also um, probably one of my, one of my other favorite uh, Ted talks that is, it's, it uses the most simplest of presentations um, and it shows that it makes it, you don't need to have a really flashy presentation to make your point it was Brene Brown's um, The Power of Vulnerability. Yep. What and is it about that one? Because I just rewatched that and thought, gosh, like there's yeah. magic there that can't even quite touch. Yeah. I think for, for my, well, I guess from my point of view, the, she is an unbelievable storyteller. Um, she gets you to go on this, I mean, I don't like using the platitude journey, but, you know, you go on this journey with her through her experiences in not just, um, not just her, her, her own story and her own journey through this, but what she's talking about as well and her research, uh, and I think I must have seen that 15 times, that TED Talk. I, like, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's one that really, if I would have read the title just alone, I would have never watched it probably. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I dove in, I thought, gosh, yeah, this is, this is on point. I'm so curious to see too, when you hear presentations like that, how similar it is to how they are to engage with. Yes. Um, because I, I, I just, yeah, I'm intrigued. Like I, um, I also really was 
was intrigued by some presentation, like the, just the different intensity levels you can have and still reach mm-hmm. massive um, audiences. Like I, yeah. I go to like the difference in like a Tony Robbins versus a Brene Brown versus a Tim Ferriss versus a, you know, Gary Vanderchuk. And you have yeah. all these very different personalities who somehow mm. um, are able to kind of touch you regardless. And I think that, that that's a really good point because it shows that it doesn't matter what sort of what your, your topic is, that sort of thing. Everyone finds their own presentation style and there's no one right answer to that. Um, and so finding what your own voice is and the own, your own way of, you know, giving your information is, is as important as the information itself. Yeah. Interesting. So, so talk to me about, um, this. So I, I've heard and I feel that there is a a large correlation between emotional, um, incorporation or, or being able to incorporate emotions and that storytelling aspect into your story and yeah. retention of the audience and obviously drawing them in. Um, yeah. But if you're in some of the quantitative industries, you know, finance or, um, you know, research, science, um, that is like a little bit frowned upon. So what have you seen? Is there research to back it? What has your experience been on the power of engaging emotions in presentations and storytelling? Yeah, I I think emotions and, you know, there are countless studies out there that show that if you can connect with an audience on an emotional level, then they're going to connect so much more strongly with your message. Um, You know, you look at any sort of any successful political leader out there who goes and, you know, they, they stand on their on, they stand on a stage and they try to, evoke some sort of emotion from the audience, whether that's rage, whether that's, you know, uh, comfort, whatever it is, um, it gets people to really connect with a message when they can do that. And I think there's, in presentations, there's sort of two ways of going about visualizing um, your content. You know, you can visualize the literal meaning um, of something. Uh, So, you know, if your slide is, I don't know, about, a bank, you know, or you, you have a picture of the bank. That's pretty, you know, that's, that's sort of the literal meaning of, of, of or the, the literal meaning of the message. Um, but what, what actually engages a lot more from our experience has been if you can convey the conceptual message through your, um, through your image, through your images. So for instance, if you're looking at, um, you're doing a slide on, uh, let's say work-life balance the conceptual meaning of that you'll be, you'll be looking at trying to visualize balance as, as the key message. So you could have someone walking a tightrope. Um, you could have, you know, a bug balancing on a tiny, um, tiny twig, or, you know, you've got, uh, someone doing a, a crazy gymnastics move where they have to balance, you know, these sorts of things where you're, capturing the the concept of what um, you're trying to portray. And that's, that's when you can start implementing some of this stuff in presentations that may have been a bit more drier. You know, if you're talking about finance um, and you're talking about the year ahead, um, you know, you could, you could show a a bull for instance, you know, that this is going to be, you know, we're looking at a bull market for the next year or, um, you know, or you could have a picture 
sort of capture that message of, you know, this is going to be, um, this is going to be a fierce year for us. Uh, so there's ways of, there's ways of incorporating that. And that's something that I think we've been quite pleasantly surprised at people's ability to, to, to take that up, um, whilst using our software. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter which software you use, as long as you, as long as you're able to engage your audience in that way, then it, that's, you know, that's the most important thing. No, for sure. And have you heard, I'm gonna totally uh, butcher how this is probably pronounced, but it's like, it's essentially the power of um, audience retention using only pictures in under five minutes. It's like, Catch a kutcher? Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. There you go. So, um, talk to me about this and explain it to the audience. And does this work? Have you ever had clients that have used it? Yeah. So Petra Kutcher is essentially 20 slides in and you get 20 seconds on each slide. Um, and after that 20 seconds, it changes. So you better keep up. <laughs> but what it, it, they are some of the most engaging presentations that you'll see because people, when you're, as, as people saw when, with the introduction of TED Talks where you've got 17, 18 minutes to talk about your idea, people thought that was a short amount of time because everyone's used to hour long presentations, um, which is ridiculous. There's, as you said at the start, there's nothing that you can't say in 20 minutes. Um, so Hecha Kucha, it starts and you have to be so switched on because if you tune out for 10 seconds, there's a good chance that you're going to miss whatever's on the slide or whatever they're doing. So with Pecha Kutcher particularly, they use just most of the time just image-based slides. Um, and those images are then used to reinforce whatever they're talking about. Uh, and it's, it's, it's fantastic. So if anyone out there hasn't seen them, jump on YouTube and, and view a couple because they're awesome. Yeah, I'll link one in the show notes. I remember I was at Goldman back in the day, and it was the first biotech uh, presentation that I listened to in Silicon Valley. It had to be like seven or eight years ago. Mm. And um, that I ever, so we, imagine, full day of investor meetings, right? Mm -hmm. So we yep. have 10 or 20 or sometimes 30 of these guys coming in, pitching us their company, their hedge fund, their whatever. Then you can imagine after a while, they all sound exactly the same. Right? Oh, totally. All trying yeah. to get money. They all kind of highlight the same aspects. Then this dude comes in, has to be three fourths of the way in. Um, really unassuming looking guy, um, you know, small frame, Asian, uh, slight of voice. And that's not abnormal, right? A lot of these guys that are really intelligent, like presenting isn't part of their normal thing. They're a little yeah. bit more um, quant than, than type A traditional aggressive personalities. And so, you know, he got up there and we're like, okay, you know, another one. And this one's on biotech. So it's going to be really technical. So pull out the coffee. Yeah. And, you know, maybe <laughs> something stronger because I don't know how we're going to keep going. And, um, and then he did this whatever. Say it for me again, Tom. Pitch Kutcher. There you go. And um, and it was the most riveting presentation. And he used uh, imagery of you know sickness and health and pill distribution and a lot. Now that I think about it, with faces and eyes and haunt, you know haunting, uh, arresting images. Mm. And of course, he also had the foundation and the you know the 
the monetary things and all the things we needed in order to finance somebody. But I remember he got into the final round. And I, I would be damned if part of the reason wasn't that presentation. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I think whilst we're, whilst we're, I think there's, there's a couple of small things that people can do to, you know, if, if they are looking at creating something like that, you know, there's some simple things that we touched on in terms of, you know, pictures of eyes are known to enhance, you know, they, they know they enhance connection with the audience because people are always drawn to eyes. You know, if you think of um, being on a, being on the subway, for instance, and you're looking around and there's people everywhere. If someone's looking at you, you instantly see it in a crowd of people. Um, and it just shows how drawn we are to eyes themselves. Um, if you use uh, images of people interacting, for instance, that will also increase memorability. So people, if you're trying to um, get people to, um, for instance, um, as one way, of, of, and that will stick in people's minds. And I guess the other thing, and this is the sort of the last thing I'll touch on with this, but it's um, authentic images are so important, you know, and, and Pesha Kutcher uses a lot of um, authentic images as well, you know. We're not talking about stock standards, stock photography, um, which are, mm-hmm. you know, is sort of what is the staple of most business presentations. Um, you know, you'll have your typical all hands on top of each other. <laughs> if I see another one of those stuff, my goodness. Um, but like, you'll, and you'll have, you know, a group of people sitting down looking, maybe there's a thumbs up or something like that. And yep. if that, they just, they don't do anything. You know, they're, they're simply a filler to, it's like, yeah, I get that that portrays the idea of teamwork or collaboration or whatever it is, but if you can use authentic images that maybe don't look as beautiful, but they are real, people will engage with that much more. Interesting. I love that. Yeah, I think about, I don't know if it's still true, but I remember, do you remember that cover of National Geographic, Tom, of the the young girl with the green eyes? Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, I, I still don't think I've met someone professionally that doesn't remember that image. Mm, um essentially a portrait right really nothing else around the image but um the realness and the grittiness and the eyes um yeah so so i can imagine okay so i i don't want to keep you too long and i know i try to keep this um brief for everybody on the line but let's sort of end it with with this you mentioned some of these so there are like these picture hacks that you have Mm, Um, there's obviously being able to use a software like SlideBot that does, you know, imagery throughout. Um, But where would you steer people like for the next evolution of presentations? So now we have Ted before that we didn't, what do you think next in presentation land? Well, I think with the introduction of the, in the last year or two um, of sort of AI, artificial intelligence has been, something that is, is is sort of taking everything by storm you know people you know you look at siri for instance um you know that was such a huge thing to have be able to speak to a computer speak to a phone and it will talk back to you um i think the next evolution for presentations is well this is what what i hope will be um that they'll presentations will evolve as you speak so Ooh. 
With the introduction of something like SlideBot, we've tried to have the ability to be able to create presentations in the smallest amount of time possible, you know, in a couple of seconds, um, as opposed to a couple of hours. Um, it's not that far a leap to go from where we are now to be create presentations within a couple of seconds to creating presentations on the fly. Um, and all that really would take would be some, you know, auditory software to be able to capture whatever's being spoken um, and then relay that into a software like SlideBot or something similar. So I think that that's going to be something, I, you know, I would hope down the track um, that creating presentations as, you know, spending hours doing that prior is, is a thing of the past. People will look at it and be like, oh, why? You know, and, and <laughs> And that was one of the things that we found. People were saying to us when we were telling them initially about the idea of SlideBot and people only after telling them started asking, they started asking, why do I spend so long creating a presentation? That's like, it's just something that was seen as the norm. It's like, well, that's what I have to do. So now that that's no longer the case, it's like, well, why, why should I have to create presentations at all? They should just happen while I'm speaking. Fascinating. How far away do you think we are from that? I, honestly, I, I really don't think we're that far away. Um, you know, you look at the, the growth in um, the technology, particularly over the last couple of years uh, in terms of AI has been like incredible. Um, so I would, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this in the next however many years. Um, but it's, it's going to be, it's a really, you know, it's a really exciting space and obviously, you know, I'm super, I'm super excited about it. Um, <laughs> I love it. It's, <laughs> I like, maybe I'll speak to people and they'll be like, why is that guy love presentations so much? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're hugely powerful and I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it makes me think of, you know, what was it, that Henry Ford quote where he said, um, you know, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. And so I think, you know, you guys coming up with this idea. Oh, no, Cody, Cody, I just missed out on whatever's being said at the moment. Oh, here you go. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. So okay. it, um, I got right up to the point where you're like, and he said, and then it was cut out. <laughs> um, so I think it was Henry Ford that said, if I would have asked the people what I want, what, what they wanted, uh, they would have asked for a faster horse. And yeah. I love, I think that SlideBot sort of has that same sort of idea instead yeah. of probably what people would have said is better templates, way to make templates faster, whatever. You guys mm. said, no, we're going to take artificial intelligence, apply it, and kind of hopefully eventually never yeah. have you create a PowerPoint again. It's oh. fascinating. It's Music to my ears. Yeah, me too. Believe me. Okay, my friends. So if they want to hear more about, you know, the way to build PowerPoints, how to do presentations, your hacks, I know that you have a blog um, and you have a yeah. podcast, but where are the best places for them to find you, Tom? Yeah, well, I think I would start, you know, at, at blogs. Blogs are the best ways of, of, of getting information that is specifically targeted to whatever you're searching for. Like there's you know, millions of blogs out there. Um, obviously, they're not all going to be amazing, um, but any information you can pick up from one blog that you can take with you um, is, is unbelievably powerful. Like I remember reading, I read this blog um, a while ago and it was a truly awful blog. However, there was one piece of information that was like, they, in there, they said, oh, be careful when you're creating a presentation, 
to avoid red green blue black purple blue blue brown green that those sort of color combinations because eight percent of men and half a percent of women are colorblind so if you're giving a presentation where you've got a, a green green background with a red text or whatever it is they're not going to be able to see it and when you're speaking to a large enough group of people that's definitely going to be that's definitely going to impact them um so i think start by going and just watching some TED Talks, reading a couple of blogs, and you'll be surprised about the sorts of little tips that you can pick up along the way um, just to, it's, that will really help you. I love it. And if they want to hear from you guys specifically, the yeah. best place to find you is www.slidebotbot.io? That's correct, yes. And what um, about on social? Where are you guys the most active? Because yeah. you have a ton of resources for people. Yeah, so we're, um, we're fairly active on Twitter. Twitter's um, a very strong sort of um, strong social presence of ours. Um, we, we're also on you know, Instagram and Facebook, that, but we, we're, we're very active on Twitter. So if you want to follow us, it's at Slidebot.io. Um, check it out. It's, yeah. Perfect. We, we, we also do a lot of... Um, polls on our on our twitter as well so we get the benefit of or anyone wants to go in there and see of understanding different things to do uh with presentations and where everyone else is feeling the pain as well um because it's you know sometimes it's nice to know that you're not the only one who struggles with presentations or you know um or find out where other people are struggling uh and that's something that we draw a lot on when we're thinking about uh, new functionalities to introduce into Slidebot. Perfect. Okay. Well, I will make sure that we link all of those in the show notes. And Tom, thank you so much for being with us today. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure. 